Hello, Mr. Bermise. Oh, and hello, Stevie. We're back at it again. We're back, baby. We're back, baby. Talking about Star Trek. Talking about Star Trek. Talking about Star Trek. Doing a little dance. Yes, can't wait. It's been one heck of a week waiting for the second episode. This procedural drama. This Trek trope of a courtroom Trek drama. Mm, So much courtroom, so much drama. Loved it. So many arguments made. Witnesses called to the stand. My fave. Let's start the show. Let's do it. Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Welcome to Set Phasers, a highly logical Star Trek podcast. We are your hosts, Stevie Manns. And I, Aki Burmese. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> I thought I would do a dramatic thing, but it feels weird. <laughs> <laughs> it felt weird from here, too. I'm so glad. Today's starter is started at 422623.4, and we're talking about Strange New Worlds, Season 2. Episode 2, entitled Ad Astra, they pronounce it Paris, Paraspera, which I think is terrible. Ad Astra Peraspera, is how I would say it. Indeed. But I'm not on the show, whatever. <laughs> I don't know, what should we talk about? I, what, I'm ready to get right into the show, but we should mention anything? I think we should just run it down. Let's run it down, then. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it down for me? I'd really love to. So last episode, we did the whole Spock. He steals the ship and all this business. And Pike's on this three-day vacation because he was talking to Una at the beginning episode of this mysterious thing. I got to go find her. She's not responding. And uh, maybe I got to talk to her face-to-face. So this is all about Una Chin Riley's court-martial or court case we find out whether or not she's going to be able to stay in Starfleet. Now, we get a little flashback to begin with that is Una as a child living where we find out that she came from and uh, she's been injured and her parents are arguing about taking her to the hospital because she has a broken leg because they don't want anyone to find out that she's an Illyrian, that she's got these Illyrian genetics. And then we see them in present day and we've got Captain Patel, who we I did a little digging, was indeed at the same act, Tor, who was... <clears throat> Engaged in in, in flagrante delecto with Captain Pike last season before he decided to return to work. And then the betrayal at the season's end when she shows up to arrest Una. So Captain Patel is across from Una and she's like, hey, we're going to give you this plea deal. Basically, if you plead guilty to being an Illyrian and doing the genetic modifications, which are not allowed in Starfleet, we'll give you a dishonorable discharge and... No prison time. You get to hang out in the Federation. You can be a free citizen and we'll seal the record. And uh, she has a, what I described as a quote, punk ass lawyer who next to her says, it's a good deal. And even Una's like, shouldn't we talk about this in private? And he's like, oh, sure. 
So we get the sense that, like, yeah, Luna's not getting great representation here, and the Starfleet is trying to force her into a corner. Meanwhile, Captain Pike has traveled to a world in the Volterra Nebula, seeking this a person they spoke about in the first episode, and the air is bad for him, and he's got a breather, and he's really trying to tough it out, and he's waiting in this office, and he's not being seen by this attorney, I guess. He's waiting, and they're trying to like force him to give up because he can't, even with the rebreather or whatever, the mask, he can't stay in that uh, for long, but... He says, try me, and basically starts to pass out, uh, trying to hold his breath to see this person who we are introduced to, Counselor Nira Katul. There's weird subtext here, but basically she and Una go way back, and Pike has to do a hell of a lot of work to convince her to take this case because she's not interested, and she hates the Federation. She makes that very clear, and she's very mad at Una for some perceived slight in the past. But Pike is able to win her over with this notion that... This could help other Illyrian cases, which is apparently what uh, Counselor Cthul is very much interested in and is considered one of the greatest counselors in the sector, galaxy. I don't know. You call it whatever you want. Anyway, he managed to make that work. She calls him a piece of work. He agrees, but she's, she hasn't said no. So then Cthul goes to visit Una in their cell. They have a really awkward reunion. Apparently, it's been 25 years. And Cthul's like, I told you so. I told you you'd wind up arrested by the Federation. So there is that history there that's pointed at. But they finally sit down with Patel and they decide we're not taking this agreement we are going to take it to court. Battelle, upset, goes to a mess with a beautifully quaffed and well-put-together Captain Pike as he's cooking in his... Is that his quarters, or does he just have a giant kitchen he likes to hang out in? Wow. <laughs> wow, dude. He's got a kitchen with an island in it in his quarters. That's, it's bigger uh, than the TNG Enterprise, which was quite big, and Picard didn't have that. Yeah. Picard had a ready room and a nice little coffee table set up. But hey, man, Pike, he likes to cook. And he probably was like, you know what? Set this thing up so it's mostly kitchen. So I can entertain. So anyway, they confront each other. Battelle basically says, I can't believe you, whoever you found for Una is going to help have her reject the deal. Because now things are going to get much worse. How much worse? I'm so glad you asked. Because when Una and Catul go up in the, like, judge's quarters or whatever you call it. The prosecution arrives, but Battelle arrives not alone, but accompanied by someone by the name of Vice Admiral Pasalk, and basically informs him that now that the deal has been dropped, Starfleet is going to, let me write down this, genetic modification violation. She's now being charged with two counts of sedition. A recommended penalty is a dishonorable dismissal and 20 years imprisonment in a Federation penal colony. Now, I thought about this overnight because I was like, how bad could a Federation penal colony really be? It's probably pretty nice. So Una is super incredulous about this, but Cthul points out, this is later as they're talking to themselves, that this is Starfleet trying to make an example of her because they want to make it clear where they stand. So they call their first witness, Admiral April, who apparently is the person who sponsored Una's becoming Starfleet in the first place, and she was one of her his officers, and one of his officers, probably her his greatest officer, because he said he promoted her faster than any other officer he had. They get him on the stand, and Catul, uh, how do I even describe, how can you describe a court case? Uh, by making a series of powerful, connective arguments showing how, as a captain, Admiral April defied General Order 1 slash the Prime Directive when it seemed like it was 
purposeful. She shows that Admiral April flaunts even the most highly held Starfleet rule as a captain at his discretion when there are people whose lives he would save, etc., etc. There's all these objections and watch yourself, counselor, kind of business happens. And Admiral April, well, the point of it is that he says that if he had known that Una was an Illyrian, he would not have sponsored her becoming part of Starfleet. And he says even though she was one of his greatest officers, he stands by that, but he walks off in a huff. Later, he meets Pike in Pike's room, and Pike pours him a drink, and Admiral doesn't take it. He's like, you didn't let me finish what I wanted to say on the stand, even though Pike wasn't the one who did the cross-examination. He's like, and that's too bad. No one heard about that. And he storms out. Angry Admiral April. Hey. Meanwhile, what's this is, so this is, oh, I don't even know how, I don't know how best to describe this, but Lan is meanwhile trying to is helping the counselor a is like an aide to her as she's staying on the ship apparently everyone was staying on the enterprise including battelle i don't fully understand what was going on there but she is trying to find out how the information got leaked that una was an illyrian because uh, they all found out at the same time only i don't remember what the time frame is but recently basically lan tries to unilateral what do you call it what is the thing that we had in america and 2001 you remember private act no patriot act she basically tries to patriot act her way through everyone's private logs and she is stood up to and put on the back foot by a young ensign uhura says you cannot do this and breaking the law is not going to help you help your friend Uh, so there's a little bit of tension in that scene i would say meanwhile uh, the court case goes on Uh, the defense katul calls dr mbenga Spock and La'an to come be character witnesses. We got a sweet another thing in court cases where they like as the counselor walks past the person that they're doing cross-examination on it turns into another person answering the same question. We got all that. It was very sweet and we got some very sweet things mentioned and we ended up on Spock and Spock had his shining Spocky moment uh, in this episode. Basically they're as character witnesses for Una, but uh, Spock is able to, they say, they keep asking everyone, did they think that uh, number one, Una was hiding anything? And Spock says, I did think she was hiding something. A, what does he say? A penchant for Gilbert and Sullivan, which is very goofy. Anyway, there's, if you listen closely, there's a little bing as he raises his eyebrow at that, which I thought was maybe too much, but I liked it. (laughs) Maybe a goofy thing to do. So La'an also is called to the stand And she says that there's a lot of stuff about Lan being mentored by Una and the feelings of hurt that she has from the lack of trust. But there's also this other subcurrent that's brought up by Patel earlier on, which is how long has Pike known that Una is an Illyrian? Because if he knew, if Nixon knew, Ag knew. Do you know what I'm saying? It's got a Watergate thing going on. Like if it's a conspiracy, why would Stevie, why would you know anything about Watergate? I do know about Watergate, but who's Ag? Ag, uh, Ag, uh, so Agnew is the Spiro Agnew was Nixon's new vice president. And so when they were trying to, I don't know how this is interesting to people, but basically they were saying if Nixon knew about this, then Agnew also knew. But the thing that Gil Scott Heron says in his song is if Nixon knew, Agnew. All right. You're welcome. Yeah. Hey. It's a pretty exciting time in American politics. <laughs> I barely know about the Watergate scandal, just the point that something to do with the Democratic National Party mm-hmm. and someone broke into something and yes. Nixon knew about that 
And yes. basically that's it. That's what I got. You've, you've got the gist of it. So anyway, Cthul finishes her cross-examination and before Una can, uh, they bring Una to the stand to say a few things about this is Cthul's brilliant thing, but we don't realize it. She brings Una up to explain her situation as a child. She was in Illyrian living in a colony that was run by Starfleet, so they couldn't say who they were. So they had to keep their practices and their culture underground. And they were they were persecuted by other people who said that they it was like if you were thought to possibly be Illyrian, you could be persecuted. At first it was words, but then it was violence. So they had to keep it secret. And she tells the story of breaking her leg and not being able to go to a doctor because she didn't want to be found out. Etc. Etc. And that then the reason she came to Starfleet was that she wanted to be all that she could be, for lack of a better word. Point is, she gets her on the stand. She says all that. In comes big badass. I forgot his name already. Vice Admiral Pasalk. It's very close to Patah for my taste. Pasalk basically cross examines, and what he gets to is did a Pike know about this and is this more than simply just una having uh, violated the rule of law but also pike if he's involved then it becomes conspiracy not unlike watergate so he's trying to figure out does this go all the way to the top of the enterprise and wants una to say how long pike is known and it comes out that pike is known for four months four months before this was found out pike had known so he had been harboring her harboring an important word to think of here this whole time, uh, knowing that she was an Illyrian when he should have turned her in, according to Starfleet regulations. That is when we flash into Pike and all... This is what, as a reader of how to write scripts, I've heard is called the dark tea time of the soul. When you hit the bottom, you seem like every... It seems like all is lost. It seemed like Pike was going to be called to the stand, then he'd be arrested and everything would fail. His career would be over. Patel's out of the picture now. It's his vice admiral, this person from beyond. But then, who swoops in to saveth the day? None other than Counselor Cthulhu, who says, oh, very interesting. Would you mind reading, Battelle, would you mind reading this passage? And it's all about granting asylum to people. And through the reading of the passage, which I will not go into detail here, but basically Una, in her original testimony that satisfied the three needs for, al for alchemy. Oh my God. Fantasy novels. The three needs for amnesty. And so Pike can be seen as having granted her amnesty. And then she makes a pleadful case that the Federation could be better than it was. It can choose to, this three judge panel can choose to uh, be punitive to Una for having broken a rule, or they can choose to live up to their highest ideals and reward her with amnesty, considering what she's been through as a Federation citizen and an Illyrian. And uh, everyone goes away. And the judges come back and they find her not guilty. And she comes back to the ship and uh, she and Una and Cthul reconcile the have a handshake, basically, moment. Everyone is happy to see Una. Stevie and I were watching together and Stevie was like, someone better hug or I'm going to throw my TV out the window. And fortunately, big old softy Pike, as soon as he dismisses everybody back to work, immediately embraces number one. Then he goes back to work. And she turns around to look at the ship, as you do when you work on the Enterprise. And here at the rundown. Woo! Let's chat about that, I guess. I say, darling, let's do a quick chat about that. Yes, We were talking about this as we were watching it, that this has so much has to do with persecution. It's got... Hints of like dealing with 
pride, dealing with the Holocaust, dealing with like civil rights, dealing with like all this stuff. And what's interesting, I thought, was that this is the Federation that we sort of the Federation that we know and love. And yet even they were shown to be so very susceptible to their own sort of prejudices and bigotries. Couldn't agree more. What a wonderful Trek trope to return to the courtroom. You know what I found interesting? Q never used this argument against Picard. It would have really stymied Picard. Ooh, sting. Or did he? That is a deep cut. Congratulations, Bermise. (laughs) (laughs) Why why did that get you? I don't know. The... uh... (laughs) I just love this, uh, felt it coming when we watched the first episode that the second episode was going to be fully in the court. It was going to have all the courtroom stuff, the behind the scenes, the like, I loved, even though I hate him as a, you know, as a character, I loved Pasalk showing up with his weird maneuver to try and bring down this conspiracy. And I said he had the look of a fanatic in his eyes as he spoke. Like he truly wanted, even though he was supposed to be, he's like a Vulcan that's supposed to be emotionless. He had that look in his eyes as if he was out for blood and justice. Yes. And then finally, the phrase ad astra per aspera has a personal significance for me because my mother started a school in the 90s here in Brooklyn. And the motto of that school was ad astra per aspera, which they translate here to be to the stars through hardship. And around the Burmese kitchen table, it was to the stars despite adversity, which is essentially the same thing. So anyway... Really loved that what had such a deep tie-in to this episode. It feels very in keeping with the Star Trek theme here. This idea of inclusion brought so strong here in the second episode. We had deep cuts to TOS, we had deep cuts to TNG, and we have deep cuts to Akiba Mies himself. Whoa, look at you laying it out there. Whoa. I tried. Oh my goodness. That's some real, that was big host energy. Thank I really like that. You really summed Thank that up so in a beautiful way. Working that was on very it. Nice. Working on that. Nice turn of phrase. Energy. No, no, no. That's just what you do. Do we have? Yes, there were uh-huh. hundreds. <laughs> Let's go. Well, I figured. Here we are once again at the Set Phasers news desk. We go immediately to Stevie Bands at the Easter Egg Desk. Stevie, how are you doing today? Well, hi there, Augie. I'm doing well. How are you? Marvelous. It is great to be here back on the set of Strange New World Star Trek Season 2, Episode 2. This fabulous Trek trope of a courtroom drama, as I may have said earlier. So, the Trek tropes, courtroom dramas, they belong together. We start in TOS, the classic menagerie, which was a two-part two-parter, in fact. And then we had The Measure of a Man, which you will recall is about data in The Next Generation. Yes, indeed. And then following in Deep Space Nine and Inquisition. Yes. yes. Inquisition. And then we had the memorable trials in the films The Voyage Home and The Undiscovered Country, as you rightly pointed out when we were live oh, texting right. mm-hmm. each other. So I guess, let's see, Picard missed out on the courtroom drama, as did Voyager. And Enterprise. Did Voyager never have a courtroom thing? That's so crazy to me. I don't... I feel like... How could they have if they were stuck out in the Delta Quadrant? I just feel like there was some time that that Janeway had to defend Seven of Nine for something. This is maybe just a memory that I'm having. And you could Google it. Picard never had to do it for the whole... But he dealt with Q, who was always like putting humanity on trial. Are you Googling it? I am Googling it. If you want to know, you can Google that. Google that. 
Discovery, I suppose, had had one. Unification Part 3. Of course, Unification Part 3, yes. TNG had another one, A Matter of Perspective. Riker accused of destroying an entire space station simply because he is too much of a horn dog. <laughs> Distant Origin in Star Trek Voyager, a rare trial episode where one of our heroes isn't put to task for an alleged crime, but more of a scientific debate when Camp Commander Chakotay is presented to an academic board as proof that the Voth, a powerful dinosaur-esque species from the Delta Quadrant, have evolutionary roots on Earth, contravening generous gen- generations of religious dogma in their society. So I was incorrect. There are far more than that. Oh, and Devil's Due, which was a very goofy episode in TNG's fourth season where Picard and the crew were tasked with dealing with the planetary property dispute against the mysterious Ardra. Do you remember that one? Sort Bonker. of, yes. Very camp, yes. She claimed to be the literal devil of Ventax too, and in fact she was a bit of a scammer. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Anyway, love love the courtroom dramas and the Trek trips. We had an old school Earth flag when Captain Patel was talking to Una. We see several flags behind them, including the IDIC flag representing Vulcan. We see United Earth flag, a reminder that the local government of Earth has existed since the time of Enterprise in the 22nd century. Indeed, at San Francisco, obviously, we head back to Starfleet Academy, established since the original series. And the first time we actually saw the home of Starfleet and the Golden Gate Bridge was in Star Trek The Motion Picture. And subsequently, fun fact, every single Star Trek TV series has returned to San Fran at least once. Mm-hmm. So this Got was... To. This was that. We had lots of Captain April's backstory, which is rather fun. He sponsored Una's application. He violated the Prime Directive slash General Order 1 in 2246 and 48 while in command of the Enterprise. Um, yes, indeed. Promoted Una faster than anyone before her. And let's see, lots of visual details from the Menagerie and Court Martial from TOS, those two episodes, including a ringing around physical bell that brings the court to session, a small yellow data tape that reads... The legal charges, which I laughed at with you, because I was the very funny that they're floppy disks. Discs, yeah, Yeah, exactly. Which, in fact, actually did precede the floppy disk. Truly, indeed. Yeah, meta in so many ways. The dress uniforms worn by the crew for the formal occasion. Internally, Star Trek: New Strange New Worlds costume designer Bernadette Croft and her team referred to these uniforms as the menagerie uniforms so literally calling it back and the chair on which the witnesses sit has that round glowing platform underneath their hand so two other things to point out when spock first meets una he acknowledges that he met he met her on his first day as an ensign on the enterprise and jokes that she was hiding her affinity for gilbush and sullivan and these two comments refer to the 2019 short treks episode q and a which chronologically also defines this as the earliest moment that we've seen Spock on screen in his Starfleet career. Fun fact. Wild. Mm -hmm. Let's see. And that, by the way, if you're interested, little nerd fact, that short episode was written by Michael Chabon, Picard co-creator, before Strange New Worlds was formally greenlit. Fun Mm -hmm. fact. Fun Fun fact. Fun fact. And the ending, by the way, not only saves Una, but you'll love this, you Deep Space Nine nerd. It saves Deep Space Nine canon. Because, so in the end, we know that Una was absolved of all of the charges, thanks to this loophole that suggests that she was seeking asylum in Starfleet. But the judges make it clear that regulations must persist, meaning that 
Starfleet does not reverse its anti-genetic engineering laws at this time. And why, do you ask? Is this relevant? This is relevant because in the Deep Space Nine episode, Dr. Bashir, I presume, we learn that Julian Bashir was sorry, was secretly genetically modified by his parents when he was young, jeopardizing his Starfleet career the same way Unis has and was put in peril here. But Dr. Bashir, I presume, takes place in 2373, a full 114 years after the events of this strange new world episode. Yes. Una is saved and DS9 canon is saved. Point and counterpoint. Indeed. Much like... A courtroom drama. <laughs> Aki, that is it from me. It is back to you in the studio. Thank you very much. Let's go immediately to quotable moments. Quotable moments. What do you got? I have a few. The first one that comes to mind is Katul saying to Pike, congratulations, you've discovered empathy. Let me know when the rest of your Federation catches up. Good one. Chile. I had, I knew you were stubborn. I just didn't think you were stupid. Again, Katul. Just really hitting up. Let's see. Oh, well, there were two wonderful moments. Both of them feature Katul. Uh, I definitely liked in the courtroom, she says, uh, after making this, this big thing, she says, if a law is not just, then I ask, how are we supposed to trust those who created that law to serve justice? Mm. Mm. Did you have one more? I've got one more. I do. I do. Una, put me on the stand. Let me let them see that be, being an Illyrian <laughs> doesn't change who I am as an officer. And Nira goes, "Are you being funny? You were never funny." Mm. Wow, that was good. That was good. Uh, okay, I guess I'm going for. I'm Mister. I'm like soft old Pike. Because when Tool is talking to Laan about how she's a Nunyan Singh and all these things, and maybe she feels that because of how she is, could be a danger, she says, not to worry. And then Laan says, you don't know. And then Katul says, but I do. That's how they make us feel. They look down at us for so long that we begin to look down at ourselves. Mm. Genetics is not destiny, she says. I just have to remember that part. <laughs> Indeed. All right. I actually have... One bit of news. Have you... Break it! Break <laughs> This isn't good news. Oh. So brace okay. yourselves. I'm bracing. Brace, 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 brace. Star Trek Prodigy has been cancelled. Oh, it was sorry. renewed for a second series... And has, in fact, been cancelled. So that's a real shame. And it will also be removed from Paramount Plus in days as it seeks a new home. Quite odd. Variety, I think, broke that story today. Today is June 23rd. Yeah, and it also... So Paramount is pulling various shows in the coming days, including that new Grease thing Mm -hmm. and Queen of the Universe, which I actually really loved. It was a fun drag show. So, yeah, I think from... I believe the... They've actually produced season two. They're actually currently in post-production. They've said that the post-production will be completed, signaling that Paramount Plus believes that Prodigy will find a new home without much difficulty. But Mm. there you go. Rather sad. Rather sad, Paramount Plus. What are you doing? I know. You mm. poor dumb fools. Well, anyway. Yeah. That's too bad. Yes. Anyway, that's all from the news. Not the best news, but still news nonetheless. Well, you know what? There's some other news, and that's that there, there'll there be a show next week. Uh, so let's talk about it next time. Oh, I have one more bit of oh. news. 
Oh, what? Sorry. Breaking. Sorry. New Star Trek Discovery Black Alert strategy board game announced as of this week. What? I know, it's crazy. And why would they do that when they are cancelling the bloody show? Who the fuck knows? It's been five years since the crew of the USS Discovery visited the Mirror Universe late in the show's first season. But this Mm -hmm. year, a new strategy game centred around that Terran Empire encounter is coming from publisher WizKids. It's a new card-based strategy board game. Gosh, that's hard to say. Pitting players against each other as crew members of either the USS Discovery or the ISS Sharon. So there we are. Do I think... think what do I think? Do you think Lorca will be in the game? I'm sure he will. So you might be right. Lorca is back. He's back, baby. I'll take it on a technicality. I'll take it on a technicality. <laughs> He's back in canon. Okay. Well, that's cool. I might buy that. There you go. And by might, probably. probably. And by probably, I mean You will. Definitely. And does that mean that we can play it? Yes, of course. But I get to be Lorca. Of course, you could be Lorca. And we might even okay. play it without patrons. That could be a game, a fun Ooh, thing to do with patrons. Lovely. Some, somehow, lovely. virtually, who knows how. There, yes. And, well, let's go. There. Well, that's all for the news. And should we go to next time? Yeah, next time. Uh, next time. On set phasers. All right, well, listen here. Next time on set phasers, we'll be talking about episode three of season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, entitled Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Creep in uh, this petty pace from day to day. Hey, look at you. Oh, yes. I was curious. I love that. Uh, I'm really quite tickled. If you like our show, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts at. We have a lot of uh, episodes of we've covered all of Discovery and all of that up to date exists of Lower Decks and all three seasons of Picard and Strange New Worlds last season. So please check out the back episodes there and tell your friends about us. Tell your friends, tell your friends. That is it for me. I'm Stevie Mans. And I regret that you had to see that outburst. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. End program. Mm-hmm.